All right, we are definitely in a recession, but you wouldn't know it by looking at the stock market. Here's what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbet. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's Income Builder Fund, as well as individual solutions for our partners. And by sharing these perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of June 15th, 2020. And this week, we're going to make sense of the ongoing stock market rally. Well, at least we're going to try. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's easier said than done. Uh, Even considering market volatility last week, we've seen an impressive uptick across nearly all risky financial assets. Yeah, and look, the stock market is not the economy because the stock market reflects corporate expectations, not necessarily economic reality. But still, we're going to be a bit sassy about the current equity valuations because we learned last week that we're officially in a recession. The National Bureau of Economic Research gave the official word, the longest expansion ever came to an end in February. And it seems that with the exception of a day or two here and there, you wouldn't even notice a significant decline in economic activity looking at the stock market. Yeah, certainly not a fall in economic activity that the World Bank has said was the deepest global recession in decades. (laughs) Yeah, well, my point was that the market has grown to be increasingly disconnected from that economic data, news, and political shifts. And that's prompting a lot of our investors to ask, what gives? Well, with the benefit of hindsight, we've identified three major buckets of risk asset performance since the COVID crisis began, or since at least the the sell-off in March. And I think that these three buckets can help us to identify the difference between optimism, which is reasonable, right? You could have an optimistic view that's founded in evidence, just like you could have a pessimistic view. And that could be your view on the balance of cross-currents facing the markets. But I think we need to distinguish that optimism from exuberance, which I think is what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, So the first real step came with a reduction in the worst case of scenario risks. um, And that was really because of fiscal stimulus and a whole bunch of facilities from the Federal Reserve, which we've talked at length about on this program. Yeah. And and this, so this first bucket stimulus comes in, this just put a cap on credit spreads effectively. For our newer listeners, credit spreads are the compensation you get for holding riskier debt. So what I'm saying here is that the the Fed's actions and the fiscal stimulus help to reduce some of those price declines, help to reduce that worst case scenario mindset. Yeah. And the second wave then really came with all that QE and central bank policy on the table. Um, there was also a peak in cases in some of the the virus epicenters, like in Europe and in New York City. And so it, was, it broadened market participation to equities and stocks with strong balance sheets that investors felt confident could make it through the crisis. Yeah. So let's call it, uh, there's some optimism, right? That the worst is behind us. But the third wave, which came after that, the most recent wave, which is Robert's personal favorite, um, is the frenzied buying of stocks and bonds that have been accompanying with sort of the broader reopening of the economy. 
such a frenzy. And it's so intriguing to me as an investor because some of the most beaten up names have bounced really sharply of late. And I'm talking about the lowest quality companies, which were priced for extinction, and now they've been revalued for survival. Yeah, it's still investors. This is so important. Investors shouldn't confuse a company who can survive with a company that would thrive in a market like this. In fact, the markets appear to be really uncertain about what comes next for the economy and earnings for these businesses. Even with the rally that we've seen, we can see that uncertainty in factor volatility still being elevated and the lack of a really decisive change in equity market leadership. Yeah. And that third push in assets uh, is a bit more difficult to digest, I think. There is one driver that I can't help but notice was a part of all three of these waves. Liquidity. Uh, Lauren loves a good driver for those of you new to the program. Um, For our listeners, what do we and other people though mean when we talk about liquidity? Lauren, you want to help us out with that? Yeah, so liquidity can mean a lot of things. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. I think it's important to be clear. Quantitative easing and other monetary support in all around $5 trillion in asset purchases have improved financial market functioning. Investors have been allocating capital accordingly. That's the, the liquidity move we're talking about. And in short, we've gotten a wave of demand for financial assets. Yeah, um, all that money has to go somewhere, right? The Federal Reserve met last week. Um, And not that we were expecting anything big, but did they suggest any changes on the horizon in terms of their current policy? No. In fact, I think that um, all this talk about liquidity is going to be here for be here to stay. The the Fed probably gave actually a little more than what people were expecting by suggesting that they'd keep their purchase size at least constant with uh, what they have now, rather than reducing it, which is what they've been doing over time. Interesting. So. I guess this trend of uh, the Federal Reserve buying a lot of assets isn't going to change anytime soon. Now it's time for our portfolio pause, a section in the program where we share an investment idea. I think we should focus today on long-term investors only. And, and those that means people who are strategically trying to build long-term wealth. The equity market is undoubtedly expensive, uh, but relative valuations, which is another good valuation tool that we sometimes use, and that's stocks versus bonds, which one's cheaper or more expensive, point to really two options um, for these long-term strategic investors. And that depends on that person's view of the path forward. Is it a V-shaped recovery and all is well, or is it skeptical? LG, you want to take the the V-shaped recovery? I'll take the skeptics. Yeah, sure. So those who believe in a V-shaped recovery, that the economy is going to get better from here, should perhaps join the crowd. But instead of chasing the most beaten down names, so what happened in the third wave of the rally that we've just seen, we favor rotating into sectors and geographies with more of a cyclical exposure and dividend yield. So Investors could move further into high yield, which is a move downward in credit quality, with an, which is an, a cyclical value call, essentially. Um, and even if investors have front run a sharp recovery in corporate profits, a value-oriented income portfolio can potentially provide return when U.S. multiple growth can't. Makes a lot of sense. But admittedly, there is a whole cohort of investors out there, uh, us included, who are still skeptical of a V-shaped recovery. There's a lot of reasons to think that. 
And for these investors, I think it it's a good time to maybe take some profit in positions that have rallied most significantly while staying close to their benchmark risk. So oftentimes we say beta here. It's entirely possible that the enthusiasm for an economic recovery could push equity multiples higher than they are right now. So that's why you want to stay kind of close to your benchmark risk. But we see pressure points building. That would mean that investors should move up in quality in both equity and in fixed income, because there is still value in these assets should economic growth resume, but they also potentially offer some protection should a wavy volatile recovery continue. Yeah. So between the portfolio that I described and the one that Robert described, we lean towards the one that Robert described. So our instinct is not to chase the market. Um, admittedly, staying sidelined goes against conventional wisdom not to fight the Federal Reserve. And we agree with that. Um, but before we get to that point, we can't help but pick up on mounting overbought and again, exuberant economic and market conditions in the face of significant risks. Mm. Travel and leisure equities probably shouldn't be gaining 20% in a week right now with so much uncertainty around COVID. So we're prioritizing wise investing over the maximization of short-term returns. So risk control, consistency, just so, so important in helping our partners to achieve their financial goals. Again, thinking longer term. That's a really, really good point. I think it's very easy to get caught up into the headlines, not just when things are bad, but also when things are really good. Let's say improving. So financial market outcomes might be good right now. But again, the economy and the earnings outlook aren't good. They're just significantly better than they were before. Yeah. And when things are significantly better than they were before and you see so many gains in the market, it can be very tempting to chase returns and to try to buy into high-flying names or, or look at top performance lists. But investing is not something that should make a quick buck for most investors. Um, when you invest, you invest to share in the success of a company over the long term and hopefully build your financial future. Coming up this week, it's a little bit slow in uh, some of the big events that we normally watch. And so I'm just looking at some of the things that have that have driven the markets lately. So uh, I'll just name one, which has been the new unemployment claims, which have been slowing from record high paces, but still pretty high. And I think that the way that governments really... Um, and companies address getting people back to work is going to be so important for the dynamics that we're talking about between the market and the economy. We're not, uh, we're wrapping up Q2, so we're not going to get Q2 earnings for another several weeks. So we've just got to sit tight and see what happens. Yeah, that's a, a great point. Continuing unemployment claims remain stubbornly high. Also, what's been a bit stubborn is been the health situation across the country. While we've seen peaks in some areas, we are seeing accelerating cases of of new cases and hospitalizations in some other states and counties, especially those that were early to reopen. And that's given the market a bit of a pause. I think it's really important to continue to watch uh, these early opening states uh, this week and next week to see what their data starts to show. Instead of just watching new cases, though, I'm going to be watching hospitalizations because at the end of the day, that's what we're concerned about here, uh, the burden on the healthcare system. Well, that's it for today. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Market Matters. Let us know what matters to you, as always. Yeah, if you have a question or topic of interest, let us know. Find us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views 
online at newyorklifeinvestments.com forward slash blog. But until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamonts, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is a service mark and name under which New York Life Investment Management LLC does business. New York Life Investments is an indirect subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company, New York, New York 10010, and provides investment advisory services and products. New York Life Distributors LLC is located at 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302. New York Life Distributors LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.